Well, a place to remember is the title of our lesson this morning, and uh, I'll just go ahead and put up this introduction slide. And I'll explain this as we go along. Our nation has a place to pause and to remember. But within God's Word, we as Christians also have a place for us to pause and to remember. We're going to talk about that this morning. And notice just these points that we wear the same uniform of whom the world is not worthy and a code of honor. Now, I think I have mentioned this uh, previously to you that oftentimes whenever I do these lessons, whenever I'm thinking about them, I bounce them kind of off my wife, right? And so this being Memorial Day weekend, I said to her, well, it's Memorial Day weekend. And you know what it's all about, right? It's about hot dogs and hamburgers and picnics and cookouts and going to the lake, right? And she said, right. And I said, wrong. <laughs> and then she gave me that look like, you just set me up, you know. It's like... But sometimes that is kind of the way people think when they think about Memorial Day weekend. It's kind of become that within our country, and that's kind of where people's thoughts kind of initially go. But I want to suggest to you that's certainly not where it started. Now, you can research this. I had spent a little time on it this week to try and find out when it just exactly started. And it's hard to nail down to the date, but it's roughly it's the 1860s, late, maybe 1868. And it's a day that was used for remembering those who had served in the Civil War. But over time since then, Memorial Day has come to recognize, like all the soldiers and those who served in all the wars. And it was actually in 1971 that Congress finally decided it would be the last Monday in May. And so our country now has a time to officially, traditionally, stop, pause, and there's a place, Arlington Cemetery, and generally... It's either the president or the vice president go there. So comments will be made, and then they will place a wreath at the tomb of the unknown, unknown soldier. So I thought this morning, I kind of wanted to combine that thought. <laughs> and so that's what I hope we do as we take a look at Hebrews 11 here in just a moment. Before we move on to that, though, I want to share this uh, other thought about that in Arlington and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier with you. On the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, these words are engraved. It said, Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. And I thought... That's, uh, that's really interesting. And if you look at those photos, I've never had the opportunity to be there personally. But if you look at those photos, you read those words, and it's kind of hard to look at that, read that, and at the same time, kind of be moved by it. And I was thinking along those lines, and I thought, well, we may not, we may not even know some of them's names. And we don't know their personal story, so to speak. 
but God knows their names. God knows their story. And for those who have served, the ones that we come to know, and the ones that we can sometimes come to know their story, we can be benefited by that. We can be motivated by that. And in our own lives, by visiting those places of remembrance, it does inspire us, help us, motivate us, and cause us to remember that we stand on their shoulders. What they accomplished is what causes us, even this day, (laughs) we still have the privilege of being here, right? (laughs) Constitution says we can still be here, right? Somebody fought for that, right? Somebody sacrificed for that. There's another phrase that goes along with that that I think is worth noting and I think it's worth applying to us spiritually. And the phrase just simply goes like this. All gave some, some gave all. <laughs> Doesn't that pretty well summarize it? I think it does. So I want us to kind of have those thoughts in mind as we begin this morning and as you think about those who serve currently and those who have served in the past sometimes we refer to them as heroes and generally every time that phrase is used and you say that about someone or say that to someone what's the response that they generally get I'm not a hero. <laughs> and we say, no, yeah, yeah you're a hero for, because of what you've done and the service and the sacrifice and so forth. So I want you to keep that in mind too as we take a look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter this, this morning. Because generally speaking, we hear of some great soldiers and we know their names, Right? You ever heard of MacArthur, Eisenhower, Bradley, Schwarzkopf? And so are some of the names that we just readily recognize. But the majority, we don't know. But their service was extremely important. And so you want to keep that in mind. Remembering those who have served, those who have sacrificed, and the fact that we benefit from what they have done. So the first point, well, I want to back up. So the first point I want us to give consideration to is we wear the same uniform. And I'll explain that as we go along. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 30 and then down through verse 32. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time will will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Verse 36. Still others. Still others. There's all those unnamed. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings and yes, and of chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in the deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. All these. (laughs) Who is that? Well, all those that by faith, they... They served the Lord. They did those things. They endured those things. They suffered those things. And so Hebrews 11, spiritually, is the place we come to when we want to remember. Just like our nation pauses and we come to Arlington and we want to remember. And so we come to Hebrews 11 and we want to stop and we want to pause and we want to, we want to remember. And when we do that, God wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to be inspired in our faith. And the method he uses is to record this as these and not necessarily mention their name because he wants us to know your name may never be in lights. (laughs) But he knows. Just like that unknown soldier. He knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows the place in which you serve. And so we come there. And we read that. And that's preserved by the Holy Spirit for us. So that we might be encouraged. We might be inspired in our service. Because sometimes we read that and we read the big names, right? We read the Abrahams, and the Noahs, and the Moses, and Daniel, and David, and all these. And we think, well, I don't measure up to Moses or David. But he's saying, no, you measure up with all these. And he wants us to know that you fit in and he wants you to know that I want to give you this illustration it was during the Iraq war some of us are old enough to remember the Iraq war some of you just were born around that time it was the early 2000s and there was a place in Kuwait, actually, is where it was located, I believe. It was a place called Camp Wolverine. Camp Wolverine. A soldier didn't want to go there. And it wasn't because it was some kind of remote place in a third world country, out in the desert, hot, steamy, sandy, Desolate. That wasn't the reason why they didn't want to go there. The reason why they didn't want to go there is because that was the camp for the mortuary affairs of the military. So you don't want to go there. (laughs) But there was a private that worked there, a private first class 
Her name was Marie Ann Lopez. She was a mortuary specialist that she was referred to. What was her job? Her job was, as soldiers were shipped there, now they got to get back home. They got to get back to their families. So she said when she first came there, she said, I tried to do that job to the very best of my ability. Most people never knew her. But she said, I felt like it was important because this was the link between their service and now their family. So she said, I, I did it to the best of my ability. All kinds of soldiers. But she said not long after she had been there that one day she was processing a soldier and she said all of a sudden it all hit home. She said this soldier was wearing the very same uniform that I wear. And she said, then it all came into focus. This is war. There is an enemy. We are fighting that enemy. This is part of the service, the sacrifice, and it calls to mind the cause of why we're here. She said that day, she goes, I identified. I identified then. That's why Hebrews 11 is there. God wants us to identify. You wear the same uniform spiritually speaking and he wants us to identify verse 33 who through faith subdued kingdoms worked righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong became valiant in battle turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Ordinary folks that did some extraordinary things because of their faith. Notice verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Of whom the world was not worthy. You know what that's saying? <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit saying these were the heroes. <laughs> Doesn't say heroes. But that's what that's saying. 
The world wasn't worthy of these folks. Because of what they did, because of their faith. Not because of their own lives, but because of what their life became because of their faith. And that's where God wants us to identify. That's the same uniform. So Hebrews 11 lists that Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses. But you notice in verse 31, he makes this shift. And it's interesting. And he wants us to know how special these these people were because of what they did. And so Private First Class Lopez, that's what she was saying. That's when it dawned on me. We're in this battle together. And so we identify with him. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. To identify. To be encouraged. And that's why he says in verse 38, of whom the world is not worthy. What he's talking about is the writer speaking of those who did these things by faith and he says the world was not worthy of them and it's a condemnation of the world. And why does he condemn the world? He said they weren't worthy because the world did not recognize the reason why they did the things they did. They didn't grasp the concept of faith and the impact that it was having on these people's lives. So it's a condemnation of the world because they fail to recognize faith in what it does for a person. And it's the power that was in these people that caused them to do the things that they did. And the way that that faith changed their lives. Can we see that? And he says the world wasn't worthy. Why? Because the world didn't recognize what was going on. I read some words uh, just this week written by a brother. He said, I was one way, and now I'm completely different. The thing that happened in between is Him. (laughs) You understand? (laughs) I was this way, (laughs) and now I'm completely different. What happened in between? (laughs) It was Him. And sometimes the world doesn't recognize that. But God does. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27, 
the Apostle Paul says, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I see the world has a hard time recognizing that. And so in verse 31, where does the writer start? He says, now Rahab the harlot. I want you to keep this in mind, that every time you read Rahab's name in the scriptures, it also gives her occupation. You ever stop and wondered why that is? Here's the Holy Spirit writing about this woman that we know ended up serving in a commendable manner. But every time her name is mentioned, it always says, Rahab the harlot. Is the Holy Spirit just trying to shame her? Or is the Holy Spirit trying to reveal what God does in people's lives and the change He can bring about? So it starts with Rahab the heart. And you think about that day and time. Here's a woman which would have been considered weak. She is a harlot and would generally be despised in society. Rejected by the world. Some would think of her as a irredeemable, a throwaway life. In the Greek, it is porne. And in the Hebrew, it is zona. It's the epitome of shame. Living on the wall of Jericho. Living in sin. And off of the sins of others. An Amorite. A member of an idolatrous people. Who generations earlier had left the one true God. And now because of idolatry and because of their decadence, God is bringing His people to destroy them. But God had His eye on this woman. And He has His eye on everyone that has a heart like hers. Because Joshua, I'm going to turn back to the book of Joshua because that's where her story is recorded for a moment. In Joshua, the second chapter, I want to read verses uh, 10 and 11. This is Joshua speaking to the spies that have been sent to spy out Jericho before Israel attacks that city. And then Rahab says to these spies... For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Have you ever thought about that? She's talking about 40 years ago. Does that make an impact on people? 
Yeah, this is what God did 40 years ago. We haven't forgot about it. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. We heard about your God. We heard about the things that He has done. And if you back up in chapter 2, she took those spies and she hid them because the king of Jericho heard that there had been men that came from Israel to spy out the land and so he sends men to check this out and what does Rahab do? Does she tell them where they are? No, she takes them and hides them. You know what that's saying? She stated what she believes about their God And because of what she believes about their God, she takes and hides them and then she risks her own life because of what she believes about their God. So James, when he mentions Rahab, the harlot, he says she was justified by her works. It was her faith that moved her to do that. And therefore she was justified. So why is it that every time Rahab's name is mentioned, it says Rahab the harlot? It's because she was spared. She was saved Because of her faith. And you know what that says? Here's a woman living among idolatrous, sinful people, living in sin and the occupation that she had. And what that's saying is that there is no one who can fall far enough that God's grace can't reach you. That's what the Hebrew writer wants us to know. You can't fall far enough that God's grace can't reach you. That if you acknowledge He's God in heaven and on the earth beneath, He's the one we answer to. You can be saved. She acted on that faith. And her story is recorded in Joshua, the second chapter. Have you ever stopped to think? This is the first city that God's people are going to attack in the promised land. And here's this woman 
who plays this small part in hiding the spies and God's people end up taking this city. She just did that part. This woman, who was a harlot, and the part she played. The Hebrew writer says, the world was not worthy of these kind of people. Do you think they would have recognized what she was doing and why she did it but God recognized and so now her name is recorded in the hall of fame of faith and I'll ask you this did she wear the uniform yeah she did that uniform of faith and there's a code of honor Joshua the second chapter I'm beginning at verse 8 this time now before they lay down, that was the spies, she came up, up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you, isn't that amazing, this Gentile woman? I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen, has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth below. I know... The Lord has given you this land and I know that He is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. That's the code. That's what those of faith live by. That's the code. And as you give consideration to that passage, it's really transparent as you, as you compare it with like the gospel. So here's Rahab, a former harlot, but she comes to believe in God and that He is the only way for her to be saved from the enemy. Isn't that what the book of Acts says over in Acts 4 chapter? There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so what does she do? She acts on that faith. She turns towards the Lord and serving Him. She turns her back on her old ways. She turns her back on her people. And she turns to God and she turns to His people. And in that story, 
there's a scarlet thread. Remember that? In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses about 18 and 19. He says, We're not redeemed by perishable things such as gold and silver, but by the precious blood of Christ. And so as we read that story, what that is, that's as a reminder to all of God's people. That all of God's people are saved by that scarlet cord. That's the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2, right? You are saved by grace through faith. God's grace reached her. And how was she saved? By her faith. She acted on it. And so Romans, the fourth chapter, the Apostle Paul says, it's not those of the flesh that are the children of God, but those who are of the faith. That's the true children of God. And so God promised a long time ago through Abraham's seed that he would bring one into the world that would be a blessing to all nations. And so Paul said in Galatians 3 that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, because they are the faith, heirs according to the promise. And so he backs that up in verse 26. It shows how that is, whether it's Jew or Gentile, male or female, that we are Christ. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. It's that same code of honor. It's by faith. So the Hebrew writer, the Holy Spirit, wants us to come to that place. And he wants to remember all of those. And he wants us to remember that we can be inspired by those and we wear that same uniform as they wore and that we live by that same code. So every time Rahab is mentioned in Joshua and Hebrews and in James, it's Rahab the harlot. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to shame her? No. Because the Holy Spirit wants to show she wore the same uniform of faith. The world was not worthy of her. And this was the code that she lived by. Now you want to know where else she is mentioned? And this is the best place of all. Matthew, the first chapter, and verse 5. She's in direct lineage with you know who? Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? What a God. His grace reaches her. This Gentile woman, Harley.
and it's from her body <laughs> comes the lineage for the Savior of the whole world. It's amazing. So the Hebrew writer wants us to know there's a place <laughs> you need to visit and you need to remember. I want to extend the invitation to any of that all are here today. It was Jesus who said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. That's the grace that God extends. It's through faith acting upon that that we can be saved. If we can help you in any way making your relationship right with the Lord, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.